0: Well, hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 181 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on May 7th, 2023. (laughs) Oh guys, I got a lot to say today. Strap yourselves in, settle down, kick your feet up, get your favorite drink, get your food if you happen to be eating, whatever you're doing, and sit back and enjoy. (laughs) You're probably tuning in today expecting a lot, and you're going to get a lot because I have a lot to say. It is not even 6 o'clock yet. I just got back from my brother's birthday lunch with my dad. We went out for a lovely lunch. And I did want to wish my brother yet again a happy 19th birthday. My brother is literally my best friend on the face of the earth. There is almost no one, basically no one except for my parents, that I care about more than I do my brother. I would literally do anything for him. We have a relationship where it's just nothing but laughs. We seldom, basically never fight. And uh, I love him to death. There is nothing I wouldn't do for my brother Thomas and... I wish him a happy 19th birthday. I cannot believe he's 19. We actually have a humongous age difference for those who don't know. And I'm almost 8 years older than him. I literally remember the day he was born getting picked up from school by my dad and going to the hospital and even picking out a bear for him that he still has with him to this day in the hospital gift shop when he was being born. And I remember holding him in my arms right after he was born. And I was about seven and a half years old. Literally remember it like it was yesterday. It's absolutely crazy that next year he will no longer even be a teenager and he will join me in the 20s club. It's absolutely crazy because he just turned 19. I've been 26 for almost half a year already. And it's just absolutely nuts. I cannot believe he's 19. Happy birthday again. Thomas' birthday was on May 3rd, his 19th birthday. I love you, kid, very much. But... (laughs) I have... A lot to say today. Now, a lot of it's based around the title of the episode, which you can obviously see wherever you're listening to this, whether it be on YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, doesn't matter. You see the episode title. And it's basically the subject of what happened in basically every loss this past week for the Yankees. That played two series since the last time we spoke last Sunday. One against the Guardians. And one that just wrapped up, maybe about an hour ago, against the Rays this weekend. So you could imagine, since it's not even 6 o'clock yet, considering how recently Game 3 against the Rays just wrapped up, you could imagine that my thoughts and emotions are pretty fresh. I have really not cooled down over the clown show that just took place to end the series in Tampa. I still have very strong emotions and feelings about it, but I'm going to try to keep it composed to the point where it's still entertaining for you, but also not completely irrational and outrageous. (sighs) So they lost two out of three against Tampa just now. They did miraculously manage to take the series against a bad Guardians team, a mid-Guardians team at best, really not, not a great team at all average at best and while some could look at the gameplay from this past weekend against Tampa and they can look at the fact that they won the series against the Guardians and say well listen the fact that they did this a lot does show the potential to be a better team and win games that they probably shouldn't or maybe just be able to beat these teams once they are fully healthy you could look at it that way and I definitely have that in the back of my mind as well. But unfortunately, there's also the flip side of things where you can look at this as what does a bad team do? Ask yourself that really quick. When someone generally thinks about a bad team as opposed to a good team, aside from just winning a lot of games, which a good team typically does, obviously, what is a trait that a bad team usually has? I've said this a number of times over the years because it's a lot of what the Yankees have done in the last few years. So it's... A recurring habit of theirs, but we're seeing it a lot to start this season. Typically, in my opinion, what a bad team tends to do a lot of the time is they tend to lose games in all sorts of different ways, and just when you think they have found every single way possible in which to lose a game, they show you another way to lose a game Maybe even as recently, or as soon rather, as the next day. Finding new ways to constantly lose games, and especially when it's the manner of being your own worst enemy, that is the sign of a team that is just not very good. A lot of what we spoke about last week is going to be repeated today. A lot of it because this was yet another week for the Yankees. I would say this was an even worse week, even though this past week they actually won a series. But not only was that arguably miraculous, but it's even more irritating because this past week, and again, while you could look at it with the positive point of view saying, oh, they could have very well have even swept the series in Tampa if not for themselves and for a lot of stupid things that were their own fault, you could also look at it the other way and saying, well, listen, they're acting like a bad team act. You could say, oh, they're not fully healthy right now. And when they are fully healthy, then they could definitely take a team like Tampa. And you know what? I won't even argue with that. I won't. I actually believe that to be true. I do think that this weekend showed that when the Yankees are healthy, and if they do play a smarter brand of baseball when they are fully healthy, I definitely think they could win a lot more games. They could. Will they? Well, that remains to be seen because there's still going to be a a bit of a time off until they are a lot more healthy than they are now. Sure, you have guys like Bader, who's back already as of this past weekend. We have plenty to talk about about him. I got a lot of people to crap on when it comes to him. And you have Judge coming back in a couple of days. You have Severino coming back in two to three weeks. I get it, you know. You'll get a couple of guys back. But guys like Stanton are still a few weeks off at best. And guys like Rodon, well, we'll talk about him a little bit later, but he received a prognosis that wasn't too great. He's going to be getting a cortisone shot in a couple of days, but he's kind of up in the air. You don't know what the deal really is about him. And even though the bullpen has been as fantastic as it's been over the course of the early season so far, one of the best in baseball, if not the very best, you had more bad news in that sense too with a couple of guys out there in the bullpen. So until when you're saying fully healthy... You're still a ways off from that. Yeah, you've got a couple of guys coming back still in the next two three weeks, but still got a lot of others out. So it's tough to really say when they're healthy, when they're more healthy, when when are they going to be more healthy? That's the question. But right now, they could have very well have done a lot better this weekend, guys, but they didn't because they found ways this past week to beat themselves. And yeah, there's a game or two in the Guardians series that they definitely had no right winning, but they stole away. And that's going to happen throughout the course of a baseball season. A baseball season is also full of games that you steal, like games that you just don't have any right winning, but you still walk away from with a W somehow. And then you have games that you definitely should have won, and you just coughed up. A lot of that happened this past week. A little bit of the former happened, too, especially in the Guardian series, as I said, but especially in the Rays series. Guys, this was a very irritating week. The fact of how much better they could have done, especially even in Judge's absence this past week, makes it even more irritating than if they just had your standard losses, you know? just They just got outplayed. They just weren't as good as the opposition, and that much was obvi- would have been obvious, but that wasn't the case. The Yankees could have easily even have swept this series against Tampa this weekend. They could have swept it. They fell behind from the tie. They, they went down 5-4 to four in the game on Friday because Bowers dropped an easy ball in left field. Who avoided the I.L., by the way, but he had his mess-ups this weekend, <laughs> like many others did. But he messed up that ball in left field. That ended up being the go-ahead run for the Rays. They ended up winning the game. Obviously, Saturday, yesterday, they grabbed the W. A very nice comeback victory there, too, and the offense was dead for the vast majority of the game. And then today, which is by far... I don't even want to hear any debate on it. It is the worst loss of the season. Today was an absolute disgrace. The Yankees up 6 to nothing, 6 nothing. In the second half of the game, with their ace on the mound... The lead is blown. They go down 7-6 to six ultimately. Then they tie the game at 7. And then the Clown Show in the 10th inning with Aaron Hicks in that rundown takes place. They do not score after that. And then in the bottom of the 10th with Albert Abreu on the mound, allow the Rays to walk them off in unforgivable fashion. This weekend, stunk. Now, you want to talk about a big positive this weekend, well, I'll just say it right now, the very man that I said I was going to talk about a lot today, and that man is Lord Bader, Harrison Bader, returning on Tuesday, and what was I saying for a long time when he was working his way back, when other people were telling me, oh, you know, he's not as big of an impact as a lot of people make him out to be, and I kept on saying, well, listen, he ain't no judge. He's not no leader like that. He's not a captain of a team or anything like that. But he could definitely provide a sort of spark plug. I, I used those words, exact words, last week, the week before, so on and so forth. I used those words, and I used these defenses of Bader for a while. He could provide that spark, got an electric personality. He can make some nice plays in the outfield, which he also did a good job at doing immediately upon returning earlier in the week, as recently as that. And you can't forget to mention the playoffs he had, the best hitter the Yankees had in the postseason in 2022, and he did a fine job at hitting in the small sample size we got when he finally came off the IL at the end of last regular season in 2022. And now he's just returned in 2023 after having the first month plus injured. Now he's back off the IL and he's doing a fine job right off the bat. I actually had people trying to rationalize to me yesterday as to why Bader was sitting down, using all kinds of excuses. Oh, yeah, they said that they were going to sit him in one of the three games this weekend in the Tampa series, so you shouldn't really be surprised. Does that mean that I can't at least question it or mention how ridiculous that is? When something nonsensical in life happens and you know that it's not the right thing, Just because someone warns you it's going to happen, does that usually make it easier for you to comprehend or deal with? Usually not. And people have a right to question it, especially given the current state of this Yankee roster, the way it is right now. Someone like Bader should not have been sitting yesterday. And if you also don't believe me on this, then take a look at my Twitter. If you don't believe me, it's documented. And I literally even quote tweeted my own tweet to remind people that I even freaking said this. I said, the Yankees also have a habit of sitting someone, claiming it's going to be a day off, and they just bring him in later in the game anyway in a big moment, therefore making the day off harder to defend. Hours before the game started, I even said, you know what, they'll probably just bring in Bader again later anyway. He should not be sitting, but they're probably going to bring him in later anyway in a bigger moment towards the end of the game, and then he's going to play anyway. And that's exactly what happened. And when he did come in, Guess what happened? The entire game turned around, and he ended up having the go ahead two run single that would end up winning the game for the Yankees. It seems like his personality, his presence, his being back here changed things for the better. Now, they still lost the series, so ultimately, especially when it comes to their record and their current dilemma in the division and whatnot, is it helping in that sense? Not really because the Yankees are still finding all different kinds of ways to lose, but that's not on Bader. He has brought a lot of positives back since he was reactivated from the injured list. And even though I obviously wasn't playing him up to be God's gift to baseball upon returning, I did mention all that he could bring to this team upon returning, and a lot of people were telling me that I was being ridiculous, I was overestimating him... And when I was complaining about him sitting in yesterday's game, I had, I had someone even tell me that, oh, he has a negative 49 WRC plus against right-handed pitchers this season. He had 11 at-bats going into yesterday. What are you doing living and dying by statistics in 11 at-bats? <laughs> like, come on, bro. And then people mentioned the turf. Yeah, fine, the turf, whatever. But, I mean, what are you going to do to defend that when he comes in later in the game, plays in the turf anyway? And they bought him in the sixth inning. It wasn't even like it was at the very end. But they did bring him in like I speculated they would. <laughs> and he played on the turf anyway. And he played today. So he still played three games. Yeah, the first half of the game he didn't play. Whatever. He still played in yesterday's game. That's my point. So what was the point of sitting him at all was my real question. And you look at the impact that he had this weekend. He single-handedly tried to have the Yankees win at least the series, and even potentially sweep. Because even in that first game that they lost, thanks to Jake Bowers' error in left field, that egregious error where he drops the ball and then takes it away from him, they were down 4 nothing in that game. Then Gleyber Torres put a run up on an RBI double, and then Bader, after that, hit a game-tying three-run homer to make it 4-4, Put the Yankees right there in a tie to give them a great chance to win. Then that error happens and the offense does nothing. They lose 5-4. So Bader gave him a good shot after being down 4-0 to win that game. Obviously, he put them in the lead to win Saturday. So he was a big reason for the win yesterday. And then today he even contributed. With multiple hits. Had another home run today. To add on to it. And overall, he was three for five with two runs batted in off the home run. So you look at Bader this weekend. He was responsible for half the runs. The Yankees scored 14 runs this weekend. He's responsible for seven of them. The whole weekend, he was half the offense. I wear my L's when I have them because I'm not always right. But... (laughs) I'm right a lot of the time. I was wrong before this weekend when I said I'm feeling oddly confident. But you could also argue that the Yankees very well could have and should have even swept this series. They didn't, so I'll wear that L, but I wasn't completely wrong to feel weirdly confident coming into the weekend because they played a series in which they could have very well have won it. Or, like I said, even swept. but they find ways to beat themselves, whether it be errors, whether it be managerial in-game decisions, whether it be the pitching. It's It's just take your pick. Today, it was the pitching. Garrett Cole started out the game first four or five innings looking damn fine, and then Ultimately, of course, he fell apart and did exactly what can't happen. What the Yankees cannot have happen. Having a 6-0 lead with your ace on the mound and losing a game, especially with a series on the line and a rubber game matchup. It just can't happen. Those are things that can not happen. A loss like today is the definition of demoralization Heading onto that plane to come home, yes, to face a crappy team in the A's, that's a good thing, and if they don't sweep them, that's going to be pretty embarrassing, let alone if they don't even win the series, but that is the last way you want to get on a plane to end a very important series. I don't care if it's May. You look at the way the division is looking right now. The Yankees, after today's loss, are now 10 games back of first. And the rest of the division is up for grabs, because if you look at the rest of the AL East, and the AL East is phenomenal this year, it's it's like it's almost never been. And that says a lot, because the AL East is often always very competitive. It's a top division in baseball year in and year out, most years. You have the race at the top, 28-7 after today's win. You have Baltimore five and a half games behind them. And then seven games behind... The Rays, a game and a half behind Baltimore is Toronto, 21 and 14. And you have the Red Sox and the Yankees. Red Sox only half a game behind the Blue Jays. We're only two and a half back of Boston. So third, fourth, and last place. Yankees are in last place. Are very close within three games. And then after third place is the Orioles only a game and a half up. So the Rays are far away, but up to second place at least is far from decided in this division. You could also argue that even this far out, with as many games left to play as there are, there's still around 130 to play. So, the division's not over yet. The Rays could still collapse. The Yankees can go on a wicked run, especially when they get guys back. You never know what'll happen. As ugly as the division does look, because seeing 10 games back is never good. But, not only do I never remember, in my 15 years of watching baseball, maybe my memory's just crap... But I never remember, after the month of April, seeing the Yankees in last place like this, especially for, like, the last week or so that they have been in there. I don't remember seeing this. It's not a good look. A lot of it, again, is a testament to the rest of the AL East. The rest of the division, I mean, the entire division, even the Yankees, are over 500. The Red Sox, the next place above the Yankees, in fourth place, are 21-15, and 15, six games over 500. How many other divisions do you see in that scenario? Like in the AL Central, the only team above 500 is the Twins at 19 and 16. They're only a game better than the Yankees and they're in first place in their division. In the AL West, you have the Rangers, believe it or not, in first place 19 and 13, then the Angels 19 and 15, then Houston 17 and 16 as of right now. Seattle and Oakland under 500. How about in the NL East? The Braves kicking ass, 24 and 11, first place by a long shot. Then after that, every single team under 500 Miami, the Mets, Phillies, Nationals, all under 500. Nationals are 13 and 20. NL Central, 20 and 15. Pirates, hell of a team, first place. Brewers, 18 and 15, second place. And then the Cubs are at 500, 17 and 17 in third. And then the Reds and Cardinals under 500. And the NL West, Dodgers in first 20 and 14, Diamondbacks a half a game behind them, 19 and 14, Padres 18 and 16, Giants and Rockies under 500. Every single team in the AL East over 500, even the Yankees after today's disgraceful loss. And after them, 21 and 15. Next place up in 4th. I don't even want to hear any discussion on which division is the most competitive and the most difficult. There are a lot of teams in baseball with around the same record as the Yankees, and they would be in the exact same place because of how great the AL East is. Even if they're a game or two better, they would still be in last place. So I'm not going to argue when people say, oh yeah, a lot of it's because of the East too, because that's true. The AL East is great. But, you still look at the scenario, especially Yankees compared to the Rays. Ten games separate them now. That's not a good look. I don't care if it's May. It's not a good look. And it also has to do with, again, the demoralization that I spoke about before. Getting on the plane, moving on to the next series with this feel that you have. You could have gotten on the plane today, back eight games... Or if you swept the series even just six games. You could have been between Baltimore and Toronto right now. If it weren't for yourself. Instead, you're still in last. Two and a half games behind the fourth place Red Sox. Ten games back now. Heading back to New York after a completely demoralizing loss in the final game of the series rubber game matchup that absolutely cannot happen. It's a big Difference. You can't lose when you are up six to nothing with your ace on the mound. You cannot lose games like today. I mean, we were in the restaurant before, and even the people a few tables over from us were screaming like crazy with the TVs on. Everybody knows what a clown show it's been so far to start the year. Again, could this change when they get guys back? Sure, again. But how many guys are they getting back? couple of days, judge. Yes, immeasurable positive. Yes, of course. After him, Severino, two, three weeks. And even he's going to have building up to do upon returning. He's going to come back only throwing 70 to 80 pitches. You have to build him back up. And plus, there's also risk for further injury with him, given his track record. And like I said after that, until the last week of May... First week-ish of June, you're still out without Stanton for that long. And then God only knows with guys like Rodon. You got Loizaga being out, we're told, until August to September now. Trevino getting Tommy John. This is what I'm talking about, guys. There is cause for concern. The season is not anywhere near over yet. And if you're content with a wild card, then they're still very much in the running for that, obviously. But there is cause for concern if you're looking ahead. there is no matter how you spin it, especially if they keep on losing the way that they have this past week and this weekend particularly. This is not a fun team to watch. Today's game, you're seeing that it's six nothing. It's a fifth inning, Cole's on the mound. this game's over or at least it should be. What could possibly go wrong? Never underestimate the power of that question when it comes to the 2023 Yankees. That's a lesson that we must learn as fans this year. Never underestimate the question, what could possibly go wrong? After the Rays take the series, I even said it to my girlfriend Victoria and my brother Thomas, who were sitting right next to me, I even said to them, the Yankees are down now, there's no shot they win this game. No shot. But then, especially after they blew that in the top of the tenth, with the whole Hicks rundown situation, and then I saw Albert Abreu was coming out in the bottom of the tenth, who for the most part's actually done a decent job. But you know, especially when you got guys like Harold Ramirez and Isak Paredes coming up, and they have the runner on second with nobody out, the ghost runner in extra innings. I mean, come on, the game's over. <laughs> you don't think Tampa's going to score in that bottom of the tenth? If you don't think they were, if you didn't think they were going to score in the in the bottom of the tenth. Just tell me you don't watch the Yankees or watch baseball. Same people who told me that Bader's not going to have an impact really at all upon returning or that sitting him yesterday was a smart thing to do. You know, just tell me you don't watch the game. <laughs> Come on. <sighs> I'm so upset. I really am. I don't really even know what else there is to say anymore that hasn't already been said, whether it was last week or the week prior to that or the week prior to that or maybe something that I even said today just for the first time. I don't know what else to say, guys. This is a team that has gotten off so far on beating themselves. Like I said, whether it be an error, whether it be leaving people on base, whether it be the pitching with the rotation mostly, Whether it be decisions being made from the dugout on who to use and when, when to take someone out, when to not take someone out, it's just take your pick. Every day is something new. You can only hope now that they rebound playing a horrible team like the A's, but that's not a guarantee. You never know. And then next weekend, they face Tampa again. Now, I didn't think this past weekend that these victories were something that Tampa should be overly proud of. And yes, I do give them credit for coming back down six runs today, obviously. Even though I more so give that to the Yankees in competence. But, I didn't think the Rays... I will say this in defense of the Yankees. I didn't think the Rays were the overwhelmingly better team this weekend. Like I said, I think the Yankees could very well have won this series or even swept it, if not for their own ineptitude. Could have very well have won Friday's game, if not for an easy play in left field. And you very well could have won today's game with the ace on the mound, up six to damn nothing. That's not what happened, though they lost the series. So hopefully next weekend the best thing you could hope for is that when they have judge back by then because again they're expecting to activate judge on Tuesday. The corresponding roster move for that should be very interesting. You could only hope it results in the DFAing of Aaron Hicks even though I highly doubt that'll happen. Cuz he had a hit today, you know, that big RBI double, so that means he's extended his stay by at least a month by Yankee logic. But you only hope that, with having Judge back, that they could somehow at least split a series next weekend against Tampa at Yankee Stadium. I'm probably going to be at the game on Saturday the 13th. I haven't 100% decided yet bought the tickets, but I'll probably be there. If I am there, you'll obviously see me posting about it all over the place, so if you're there too, come say hi, as I did with my prior two games that I was there. Haven't decided yet, but that's all you could really hope for this this coming weekend, Just hoping they could grab at least a couple of games with Judge being back and hoping they don't play like a bunch of morons again. Taking games away from themselves. Making stupid bullpen decisions. Making stupid errors. Not scoring when you have to score. Pitchers don't lay an egg on the mound. Take a pick. Anything. Doesn't matter. (laughs) You can bet on one of those things happening nearly every day, and that's just the unfortunate reality. So, listen, I may not have done too much yelling at all to start the show here, but how much yelling could you possibly have? I have done almost nothing but negative talk about this team since the start of the season, because, I mean, that's what the season's warranted so far. I have definitely presented both sides of every equation when it comes to each and every subject of the Yankees. I've given the positive aspect, I've given the negative aspect. But the end result, unfortunately, has been negative for the Yankees so far. Now, if you want to talk about how the schedule eases up a bit after June and the fact that they should have guys like Stanton, Judge, and Seve back by then, if everything goes well. Fine, you could talk about that and the fact that they're staying just afloat right now with the roster the way it is and that's really all that they should be worrying about because they should be expected to take off when they get more guys back and the schedule eases up. I've seen a lot of people talking like that. Fine, listen, I agree with that. But there's no guarantee that they will. You don't have to start a season off the way the Rays do, but it's awfully nice to because it's not a guarantee that things will get better later. It's just not fun right now. It's not eighteen and seventeen, heading into May eighth, last place. Again, partially attributed to the fact that the AL East is killer this year, but still not fun. Still not fun. Why don't we get to some Yankee news while we're at it? We'll talk about the state of the roster, some injury updates, because a lot of people want to talk about. Oh, well, you know, we are. Uh, we're waiting on people to come back, and when they do, oh. Well, Well, here's the uh, prognosis on some guys. Why don't we start with the news that came out right away at the beginning of the week on Monday pertaining to my boy Johnny Lowe. And... For weeks now, we've spoken about, obviously, how great I believe he is, how great his stuff is in the bullpen. And they were even talking about on the Yes Network throughout the week because it is true, what I've always felt and what they've always felt because it is factual. He has some of the best stuff, if not the very best stuff, in that bullpen. And that's why it's a shame he can't stay healthy. And he has his annual IL stints. Seems like it's to be more than just an annual IL stint this time around, and maybe just a couple of weeks or a month. Because on top of the time he's already missed, to start the week, they now said that he is having surgery to remove a bone spur, and that will result in him not throwing for three to six weeks. So a month, month and a half, give or take of no throwing. And since this was announced basically more or less a week ago now, I assume the timeline's now two to five-ish weeks, but before he can even throw again, guys, before he can even throw then he's gotta go through having cat playing catch and throwing from a mound, throwing bullpens, throwing sim games, throwing alive hitters, going through a rehab assignment, the whole deal. And yeah, he doesn't have to ramp up like a starting pitcher does. But the timeline they gave for him still blows. They said that there's a very good chance that we don't see Jonathan Lewise again until August or September. August or September, guys. It's a long-ass time. That's at least three months, if the timeline lines up correctly. That is a brutal blow for the Yankee bullpen, which, again, has mostly done a nice job to start the year so far. They've had their bad nights here and there, of course, like any bullpen does. But on the whole, they have done a pretty nice job. They even spoke about that a lot on the broadcast today. I believe coming into today, they might have even had the best bullpen ERA in the league. So, there's that. But especially with the starting rotation in the shape that it is, you know, you need your bullpen to be strong. So that's, you know, that's a necessity right now. And having Loaizaga out for as long as this does no favors for the bullpen. Sure, you guys. You got guys like Ron Marinaccio, Michael King, Wandi Peralta, plenty of arms out there holding it up right now. But, you know, those guys are going to have their bad nights at times too because they are still human beings, despite how dominant they often are. They're going to have their nights. You need as many arms as you can get. And being down a guy like Loisaga for this long is just not good. It's not good. So he's a ways off and he's getting surgery. God Almighty. And also, earlier in the week, obviously, they did decide to put Judge on the injured list. I was wrong last week when I said I don't think they will, uh, but they, they chose to err on the side of caution. I can't fault them for that, so he is going to be activated in the next couple of days. He he should be back on Tuesday, is what they've said, so he's, he's right on the cusp of coming back, so that's good. So Judge should be back in. That should help solve quite a bit of problems with a lot of nonsensical positioning placements they've had to make and... A lot of guys being in the lineup who shouldn't be there. Obviously, having Judge there will mitigate some of that, no doubt. But they did retro him like we did speak about last week. Because I did say if they do put him on there, they'll definitely retro him to the last time that he played, and they did just that, so that will allow him to be activated in the next couple of days. And in the meantime, Franchi Cordero recalled, who was obviously sent back after Bader was activated, but nonetheless... As of Monday, before they activated Bader, this is the Yankees injury list, guys. Ready for this one? So Aaron Judge, Stanton, Rodon, Severino, Bader, obviously no longer Bader, he's back. Loisaga, Josh Donaldson, Tommy Canely, Lou Trevino, Frankie Montas, Scott F. Ross, Luis Heal, Ben Rortvet, who we still don't have confirmation is even a real guy. So, that's a lot of guys. Lot of guys. Those first four names Judge, Stanton, Rodon, Severino. And even after that, Loisaga. Holy wow. I mean, those are stars. Stars. <sighs> and Cashman meets the media a few days ago. And not only does he continue that. That attitude of his where he just, you know, completely doesn't take ownership for anything he's done to contribute to any of this. You know, a lot of the guys he has acquired in the last year alone, since last year's deadline, they were acquired with either an injury history or maybe even injured upon acquisition and in my opinion, a general manager should have to answer for that sort of a thing. He never does, though. Obviously, it's never his fault. It's just the chance of things. You know, oh, he got hurt. That's, that's what happens. as part of the game. No, 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 no. When it happens a number of times, questions need to be asked. I'm not going to pretend like I didn't want Montas or Rodon. I thought these were both necessary starting rotation moves that the Yankees had to make. I did not know, though that they had issues upon acquisition. If you would have told me that Montas had the shoulder issues that he did upon being acquired, and it's revealed that he did, it was open knowledge, and they got him anyway, that's brutal. And Rodon too. They're now deeming this back problem of his to be chronic. A chronic back problem. They're giving him a cortisone shot in a couple of days to see if that helps things so he can get back to throwing as soon as possible. But they're not even putting a timetable on his return at this point. It's TBD. So honestly, who even knows if this freaking guy is going to even pitch this year? Certain injuries happen, and they just happen. Yes, that's true. But there are certain people where if you acquire them when they're hurt, you should have to answer for that if it turns out to be a disaster. And you would think an organization, with the money that they have available to them, with the resources they have available to them, that these bits of information would be quite simple to acquire, you'd think. And now they're surprised that all these injuries are taking place. And you could very well even question about his roster construction, Cashman's. That's not a question, though. Nobody ever asked the questions. Like, why do you have 80,000 infielders? Why is Aaron Hicks on the team? Why do you think these guys, a lot of these guys on the injured list, you're really surprised that they're hurt? when they supposedly had these issues upon you trading for or signing them? Why don't they have to answer for these things? In any event, like I did say before, of all those names, one did come off the list the very next day, obviously, after they decided that would judge, and that was Harrison Bader. And like I said, Cordera was sent right back down again, as far as the roster. But, of course, you cannot have good injury news without bad injury news in Yankee land, silly. No, 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 no. You thought so? You thought you could have all the good and none of the bad? (laughs) No. This was also the day where they announced that Rodon's progress was stalled yet again and that his back was giving him trouble, that he just doesn't feel right. So then, of course, it was revealed to be chronic his back problems, which means you just kind of have to deal with that on the fly. It's not curable, but it is treatable, and depending on how it is going forward, he may never be right again. (laughs) Can't make it up. I I guess I'll wear the L for wanting him. Some people did mention he was injury-prone, but who the hell could have known that he had something chronic wrong with him? Who the hell could have known that? the Yankees had to make a starting rotation move. And with how much was being demanded for Castillo and many others, Rodon was a solid option to go with. And there was almost nobody out there who had a problem with it. I do know a couple of guys on Twitter in particular who pop into mind who did mention injury concern early on and good for you, I guess, if if you take pleasure in being this correct and having it hurt the Yankees this much to this point, then good for you, you were correct. But... It was almost a move the Yankees had to make for the starting rotation. But, of course, if he had these problems upon acquisition, that's not a good look. I obviously didn't know that he had any dire issues, like a chronic problem. Who could have known that unless you're within the organization? So, like I said, he's getting the cortisone shot. See what comes of that. Who the hell could know anymore? And also last week, we did mention it, I mentioned it briefly before when it comes to him. Remember last week when we were speculating that when he had a setback with his elbow? We were speculating last week about Trevino possibly getting Tommy John surgery after he got his second opinion. That's exactly what's happening. Like I myself and others speculated, he's getting Tommy John, he's done for the year. So that's another arm in the pen from last year's deadline officially down for the year with Tommy John surgery, slated right next to Scott Efrost. Nice. Very nice. So you have him down, Efrost down, Montas is down, very possibly for the entire year. Like I said last week too, if you want to look at the offense, Ben Benintendi's not here anymore. Oh yeah, guys. Last year's deadline is looking good. And then on Wednesday night's game, just when you didn't think the Yankees could take any more. There were injuries in the ninth inning to Bader and Peraza. Bader, when he got his head almost taken off by an IKF knee or leg to the head on a sliding, colliding play in center field. Fortunately, he was okay, especially after the off day on Thursday. He was right back in the lineup on Friday was Bader, so thank God he was okay after just coming back. Could you imagine if that gave him like a major concussion or... Maybe hurt him in his neck somewhere, and he missed extended time after just being activated the day before. <laughs> oh my god. I was sure that that's what was going on in live time. And then Peraza stumbled going to second, and he never really recovered, didn't slide going into second, and he clearly like messed up his ankle, rolled it somewhere. He doesn't seem to be hurt badly in any way. He's not on the injured list right now, but he also hasn't played probably since the Yankees still appear to want to play Aaron frickin' Hicks and players like him over guys like Peraza. You know, guy like Aaron Hicks with no passion or hope or upside over a young, developing, skilled kid, but whatever. <laughs> it's not, not up, up to us, right? So, there's that. Bader and Peraza both seem to be fine, but Peraza's not being played right now. Bader's still in there. Then Friday was when the news about Rodon's back issue being chronic came out. And then as of today, when it comes to Josh Donaldson, they said he's been doing sprints, he's working his way back too, he could get back into a minor league rehab assignment shortly, as can Severino. Severino apparently expressed discontent with the organization, making him throw a little bit more before being put on official rehab assignment. He he basically wanted to be on one already at this time. And I understand the frustration. Like, he wants to be out there, and yeah, a lot of people will say, well, the Yankees... Being very delicate about players being hurt and everything, it usually doesn't stop them from getting hurt anyway. So what's the point? Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Like, what's the point of being so precautionary when they usually just find a way to still get hurt anyway? So the Yankees process isn't really one to believe in all that much. Yeah, I can't really argue with that. You know, history is what history is with this team and their injury troubles for the last bunch of years now. But at the same time, I can't blame them considering Severino's injury history. I don't really think he has much of a leg to stand on in that sense. But one thing's for sure. I will say this much. In the very recent past, this has not been the first time that Severino has expressed discontent with the way the Yankees do things. I mean, yeah, in the pregame today, he was talking about doing whatever the Yankees say to do in order to get back, but... These are also statements that he's been saying of late about not being very happy with the organization, and obviously he's been hurt as much as he has been. I would be shocked if he's with the Yankees again after this year. I would be very surprised. He just doesn't really seem to like it mu- here much anymore. He doesn't seem to like how the organization does things. And, you know, in certain situations, I definitely understand what he means by that. There's certainly a lot of things that the Yankees do that I don't like either. And that a lot of us don't like. But, I don't know. He seems to take a lot of issue with them lately. Particularly over money in the past as well. And I don't think he's going to be here. I think another situation like this just adds more to that claim. That I don't think we're going to see Severino back in a Yankee uniform after this year. I don't think he very much likes it here anymore. Mainly because of the organization. I think he likes the fans. I think he likes pitching in general. Like he wants to be out there. And pitching. But I don't doesn't sound like he's very happy with the organization much. So I'll just say, I think it's surprise, I'll be surprised if he's here again after this year. A lot of people have said the same thing, and I have to agree with them. But nonetheless, he should be finding himself in a rehab assignment soon, but he's going to have a lot of vamping up to do throughout that assignment, and then obviously when he comes back too, he's only going to probably be pitching anywhere from like 70 to 80 pitches. So like I said, even if you're being optimistic about him coming back soon, he's still got building to do after that. So he's not going to be fully himself being able to just let it rip, you know? So, he should be starting up soon. Donaldson should be, should be starting back up soon. I, I really don't know what happens with the infield once Donaldson is back again because then you have a crammed infield again. Like Cashman seemed to have no problem with doing with this massively flawed roster to start the year. So, I, I don't really know. I don't really know what place I truly don't know what place Aaron Hicks has on this team anymore because there are certain moments where like you expect the Yankees to put him in if he's not starting the game. And like they'll put like IKF in or even the other night, when Calhoun was DHing and they took Bowers out of the game in Friday night's game. They pinch hit Calhoun with Higashioka and then pinch hit Bowers with IKF and you would just think that like at some point, if Hicks were truly valued, or if it was really important that he'd be put in, at some point in those situations, to play the outfield. But he's not. IKF is not a primary outfielder. Hicks is supposed to be a primary outfielder. It's just really weird. Like I, I don't know, man. It's just they, and and then they'll force him into the lineup on days like yesterday and today. Like yeah, today he had an RBI double, but it was his first hit in God knows how long. And then he just took another step back with the way he did things in the 10th inning with the rundown. I mean, listen. There are a lot of questions you could have with this roster. Like, what the hell are they doing with Peraza with the way they're handling him? If he's okay, why are you not trying to put him out there? Why? It just doesn't make any sense to me. It really doesn't. Why are you not trying to put him out there? trying to fit him in the lineup somehow by DH and Glaber, doing whatever you have to do, instead of putting guys like Hicks or IKF out there. And Calhoun's been swinging a hot bat lately, so good on him. But even at one point, they weren't putting Peraza out there. Also, with Calhoun in the lineup, like, why? Why? You have to ask yourself. Like, you just, I don't understand how they're treating him. I don't get what place Hicks has on this team. And yeah, when they get guys back like Judge And maybe even in a little while they get Stanton back You know, form up the roster a little bit better But even when guys like Donaldson come back Like you're going to force You're going to shoehorn him in again Even though he's clearly not, not what's best At least offensively And will lead to even less playing opportunity For guys like Peraza I don't know I really don't And it's all for the money it really is, because they just don't want to eat Hicks's money. They don't want to just swallow their pride and admit they messed up. Same thing with Donaldson. You could say he hasn't had many chances with hitting because he spent so much of the year on the injured list already, but injury risk was another thing of his when he was first traded for last year. Go back to that Minnesota trade. Again, the dreaded trade that I hated factually and documented since day one. You didn't have to make that trade just to dump Gary off. You didn't. We'll say that until the end of time. And now that trade has contributed to this beyond nonsensical roster construction that the front office should have to answer for, but they just don't for some reason. I guess everyone's job security is just infinite. Guaranteed. I I guess that's the way the organization runs now. But anyways, so just things like this make you beg to question why certain things happen the way they do in this organization. But that's really the latest with the injuries, guys. Donaldson's starting up a rehab assignment soon, likely. Unless he has another setback. He claims to feel good right now while doing his sprints. Severino should be starting up a rehab assignment soon. Rodon with the chronic problem. And He's getting his cortisone shot. We'll see how he feels after that and how soon he could get back to throwing. Bader obviously being back is great. I cannot believe, again, that I even had people telling me that he would do absolutely nothing or that he's no upgrade whatsoever, as if seeing guys like IKF, Hicks, and so on out there constantly is a better option at all and trying to rationalize sitting him yesterday while he was probably just going to be used later in the game anyway, and then he was... (laughs) And the game changed when he came in, because that's the impact he makes. Again, not claiming he's on the level of Judge or anybody like that, but he is definitely a significant upgrade over much of anything the roster has right now. Over a lot of guys. And if you're denying that, then I guess you're just not watching. You're not paying attention. So at least he's back. That's definitely a big plus. And then unfortunately, you have your news about Luazga and Trevino. Trevino getting Tommy John, he's cooked for the year, and don't expect Luiz to get back apparently until August or September as he is to go maybe another two to five-ish weeks without even throwing now, and then having to slowly build up from there following the surgery to remove his bone spur. So a lot of bad in the injury department, only good things coming up as of recently or in the very near immediate future. Bader being back now and Judge being activated possibly on Tuesday, likely on Tuesday in the second game against the A's. So that's your injury and roster update as of now. So, see what happens when Judge is activated hopefully again in a couple of days. See if he comes back swinging a hot bat since he didn't miss too much time. Or if he needs time to get his timing back, his swing back, all that jazz until he could start contributing again, I believe in the captain. But we will see. And again, a lot of you guys are probably surprised. And thinking, wow, I can't believe he's not yelling like a banshee today. Well, I've raised my voice a couple of times. But guys, how many times are you going to do that? Week in, week out. At this point, yeah, you want to hear me yell, then I'll record myself live as these travesties in live time in-game happen, if that's what you want to hear. But when I sit down in front of this mic and I gather my thoughts together and I'm somewhat more rational than I am while watching a game... What are you going to do? Scream and yell until you pop a blood vessel every single week? It's more just a feeling of defeat. I mean, today's loss was awful. Awful. But it's just what you come to expect nowadays. It really is. It sucks. And like I don't think the season's necessarily over because of it. Not by a long shot. There's plenty of baseball left to play. But I mean, like, how many times can you be punched in the face... Until you're like, ah, another punch is coming. It's like, you can't blow up every single time. Because eventually the spirit gets used to it. It accepts defeat. (laughs) As morbid as it sounds. But it's kind of like the thought process. And you're just used to it. Not that you can't get upset about it. I definitely rant my fair share to my family. I'll record videos of myself ranting sometimes. I'll definitely put some tweets out. But once I'm in front of this microphone, I mean, it's just like... I'll raise my voice when necessary, but how many times are you going to lose your mind and go absolutely mental over it when it just keeps happening? So while we're at it, why don't we just keep moving right along? We're almost an hour in here already because of all the talking I've done yet again. What a shocker. Let's hop in the Yapping Yankees time machine and go back to the beginning of the week. Let's recap the Guardians series and, of course, the absolute mayhem that took place at the Trop this weekend in the weekend series that just ended against the Rays. But let's go back to the beginning of the week and recap this past week's action. Yapping Yankees time machine. Let's go. Alright, so obviously we talk a lot before we do the weekly recap every single week about the current state of the Yankees, what's going wrong or what's going right. It just depends on the week. And usually especially in the case where there's a lot going wrong and in all the things that I say to start the show leading up to the weekly recap, we can expand upon everything I said even further once we get to the weekly recap and actually talk about all that happened within the games to further back up everything that I was saying. And that's what this one's going to serve a lot as because all the things I mentioned with the Yankees from this past week, and we're going to hit on them even more this time about how, how they just find different ways to lose, all the different ways that the Yankees just don't get the job done when they very well could have. And did they at the end of the day? No, they didn't. But could they have? Yes, they very well could have. Like I said before, could they have swept the Rays? Yes. And if you want to look at it as that, saying that with how banged up the roster is right now and they still came close to doing that, does that bode well for the future? Yeah, very well could. But the fact of the matter is, they didn't. And they were, again, their own worst enemies. But let's go back to last Monday and start with the game's With the Guardians. And these games had their share of frustrations as well. And this was mainly... And you know that now, especially the last couple of years... I really don't blame a lot of losses on decision-making in-game. I.e. Aaron Boone. But this was inevitable. If you say that this was not a decision-making mess-up... Then you're just lying. You are absolutely lying. Because Monday's loss... Did not have to happen at all, to say the least. Starting Monday's game was Domingo Herman and this guy. Now we've given Herman a lot of trouble. Especially since the whole domestic violence case and and all that whole mess happened. Talk about how much we want him gone. Who's better between him and Schmidt? No matter which discussion that you want to talk about pertaining to Herman, us Yankee fans, and rightfully so, have been very tough on him for the last couple of years. But you objectively have to say right now that this game on Monday was the best game he pitched in his career. This is the best game of his life. He went into the ninth inning having only allowed, I believe it was one hit. And that hit came in the first inning. Let me see here just to double-check that. In... The top of the eighth, yeah, he didn't allow a hit. And before that, he only allowed one hit in the top of the first. And that was the second batter of the game in Ahmed Rosario. So he had a one-hit, one-walk, eight-inning shutout going into the top of the ninth inning. Game was tied at two. Yankees had put their two runs up in the bottom of the third on a solo shot by Trevino and an RBI single by DJ. Trevino has been much better with the bat again lately, by the way, which is awesome to see. They already put their two runs up early on. Herman took it from there. Top of the ninth, I do have someone warming up in the bullpen behind Herman just in case. But he gives up his second hit of the game in the top of the ninth. And yet, Domingo Herman in the past does not, you know, he hasn't earned much trust. But with the way he was looking, I don't know. I wouldn't just give him the hook right after the hit he gave up to Quan because he started the inning by striking out Miles Straw. Myles Straw is what he is offensively, of course, but Quan comes in, comes up next, and gets a base hit. Now, I didn't necessarily agree with Yank and Herman out right there, given the game he had pitched and how freaking dominant he was. The fact that he didn't even have 90 pitches in the ninth inning, that's not a good look either, if you're the Yankees making this sort of decision. But if you are going to go to the bullpen, why not go to someone like Michael King who, by the way, had been seen warming up in the bullpen as early as the 7th inning and you sit him down to go to quite possibly the least reliable arm in that bullpen for some time now, especially in close, high leverage moments. And that man is none other than Clay Holmes. I foresaw disaster when this move was made. I think every single person with a pulse and with an IQ over 50 foresaw potential disaster. The Yankees for some reason don't. This was on Aaron Boone and the Yankees' decision makers. I don't want to hear a thing about it. This was a loss that should not happen. You had your starter with two outs left to go, pitching a one-hit, one-walk shutout. Not only do you take him out, but if you do want to go to the bullpen after that, the argument to go to Clay Holmes is a nonsensical one. And exactly what we all thought and feared would happen, happened. Because not only does he himself give up the runs, but... He makes an error on the mound, bobbling a ball that should have been an easy out, and then after that's when it all came falling apart. Jose Ramirez got a hit after that to load the bases. Josh Naylor got a two-run single on top of Oswaldo Cabrera throwing the ball away from right field. And then Juan de Peralta has to come in to try to put an end to the damage, with all of the runners on base being Clay Holmes' responsibility, of course. He walks Bell, strikes out Jimenez, but then walks in... The go-ahead run, Zanino walks, and coming home to score is Jose Ramirez. The Guardians take a 3-2 lead. After being down to their last two outs in the top of the ninth with Domingo Herman pitching a one-hit, one-walk shutout at home, and the Guardians were given the lead, and the Yankee offense did nothing. In the bottom of the ninth, Glaber ground out, DJ ground out, Aaron Hicks, strikeout, shocker there. Yankees lose three to two. A game that they absolutely should have won. And the problem is, whenever these sorts of decisions are questioned, it's like there's no shame in it. You know, even in what they were saying with the Wednesday game, that was also blown. Thankfully, the Yankee offense bailed Boone and the Yankees out. But whenever they're questioned, it's always, no, that's part of the plan. Zero hesitation. That's what we were going to do. He's coming into the game, he's the guy. Listen, it's good, not only in sports, but just in life in general to have a plan, but sometimes, and this is a statement that the Yankees really need to take in and consider going forward. I doubt anybody of significance is listening, but this is really something that the Yankees need to take into account going forward. Guys, sometimes certain scenarios, circumstances, factors Warrant deviation from said plan. You have a game that you should under no circumstances lose. You really need to second guess taking out a starter who was pitching after he gave up the hit to Quan A two-hit, one-walk shutout. The best game of his life. Doesn't even have 90 pitches in the ninth inning. But if you do want to take him out, then how about going to a secure arm who you had warming up as early as the seventh inning in Michael King? It's just two outs. And he's probably the most reliable arm you have out there. Why are you going to someone who has made a habit of blowing high leverage, close games in clay homes of late? Why would you do it? Saying it's your plan is not a good excuse. Sometimes, like I said, certain circumstances, certain scenarios, certain factors warrant you deviating from the plan that you are so desperate to cling to. This is what drives me nuts about the Yankees. Every time that there is a decision that's clearly wrong is made and they're questioned about it, It's always, oh, there's no hesitation. This is what was going to happen. That's the plan we had from the start. Why don't you just go along with it in real time like everyone else does? You are not all-knowing, and sometimes in life, things happen, not just in sports, but again, in life, like I said, where certain things happen, and you may have to deviate from the path you originally intended on taking. That's part of life. Why are we so rigid? Why are we so robotic? I don't understand how or why this organization got like this. And games like this are a good example of that. A game that cannot be lost. There's no reason to lose. And you just shot yourself in the foot. It was so obvious he was not the right one to go to. You could smell disaster coming from a million miles away. You could argue that Herman should have been left in to finish the game, but even if you want to argue you should have gone to the bullpen, why that route? It's a legitimate question. And the answer of, well, it's always the plan. He's the guy, you know, no deviation from the plan. That's not a good enough answer. So the Yankees lost an absolute tragedy of a game on Monday, a game they didn't have to lose, but again, that is purely a game where decision-making just completely sunk them, completely. I don't say that often. I hold the players accountable most of the time as I feel they deserve to be. You know, they're the ones doing the job or not doing the job at the end of the day, but that purely came off of a decision that was made, a very poor one at that. And that's part of what I was saying before with how bad teams or teams just in bad shape right now who could be better when they get certain guys back from injury or whatnot because the roster's banged up right now. However you want to put it. That's how bad teams who are not good at the moment, that's how they run things. They beat themselves and they find all different kinds of ways to do it. Monday was an example of that. Fortunately, Tuesday, they found a way to bounce back. Starting for the Yankees that night, was Garrett Cole, had himself a nice start, didn't really, didn't have his best stuff, but you know what? What an ace does, (laughs) it's not really what happened in the later part of today's game, on Sunday, but typically what an ace does when they don't have their best is they grind, they do the best they can to just make it through the start as best as they possibly can, and give their team the best opportunities possible to stay in the game and eventually get a win. That's exactly what he did in this game. In this game, he allowed two runs to the Guardians in the top of the third on an RBI double by Josh Naylor and an RBI ground out by Andres Jimenez. So, they found themselves up to nothing. Yankee offense was completely dead. Shame on them for not backing up their ace for all that time. But fortunately, they did find some life later on. Bottom of the sixth, Anthony Volpe with his third home run, going the opposite way into the short porch, made it 2-1, Guardians, Anthony Rizzo, RBI single the other way, tied the game up at two. And then in the bottom of the seventh, Willie Calhoun, who I had mentioned had himself a pretty nice week, hit a go-ahead solo shot, line drive into right field, gave the Yankees a 3-2 lead, and in the next inning, the bottom of the eighth, DJ added some insurance with an RBI single, made it 4-2, and that is the score the Yankees would win by and because it wasn't until later on the Yankees actually took the lead, Wandi Peralta was the one out of the pen who would end up getting the win, his second win of the year, and they were able to hold it down after that. Marinaccio got two outs, Peralta got two outs, neither allowed a run, Peralta only allowed a hit, and then Michael King finished off the game, getting the last five outs, earning his second save, and three of his five outs were strikeouts, and like I said, King has just been doing An unbelievable job lately. So the Yankees were able to, after playing dead for most of the first half of the game, able to come back, show some signs of life, and actually grab a win, miraculously. Wednesday, like I said, another example of the Yankees almost losing again because of more poor decision-making. Very eerily familiar to Monday night, but fortunately in this case, the offense found a way to come back and bail them out. Now, like I said, not in every case did the Yankees find ways to lose in this past week. In a game like this, they actually found a way to win. Snatched victory from the jaws of defeat as opposed to the other way around for once. But in this game, it was a positive. They managed to actually steal away a win. A win that they probably didn't deserve to have. They definitely didn't deserve to have, especially after the nonsensical decision-making again because there are times where Aaron Boone just does not freaking learn. And that's what I said when he did this yet again in this game. I guess Aaron Boone just never learns his damn lesson. But the offense had his back. And I hope after this win, he went and thanked them to the ends of the earth. Because only because of them did he get bailed out from making yet another colossally stupid decision. Starting this game on Wednesday was Clark Schmidt. Allowed two runs. Neither one was earned. Still allowed six hits, though. Two walks, four strikeouts, and four and a third. Didn't even go five. So, not an awful start for Clark. And the runs scored in the first inning. And they were unearned because there was an error by Anthony Rizzo. So, because of that, two runs that scored were unearned. So, it's not totally on Clark, but still didn't have like a dominant start. Still allowed a lot of hits, a couple of walks. Didn't even go five, so didn't give really good length. Not terrible, but still, the last thing you want to see in a Clark Schmidt start is two runs coming across the board in the first, and then you say, oh, boy, here we go. So the Guardians jumped out in front early, but fortunately the Yankees did not really let it get out of hand because when they were down 2-0, Willie Calhoun again hitting his second home run into right center field, made it 2-1, so good on Willie. And right after that, Jake Bowers back on the team after that sliding catch into the wall. In Texas, hits a bomb into right field. Solo shot his first home run as a Yankee. Tied the game at two. An epic moment for him. Really good stuff. Top of the ninth, though, with the game tied at two. This is when things got... (laughs) God almighty. Uh, So, top of the ninth. The inning starts off with Ron Marinaccio on the mound. Now, mind you, Marinaccio also had pitched the eighth, the inning prior. And he was doing a great job. He'd gotten the first two outs of the top of the ninth even. He had a couple of strikeouts. He was looking really good. Absolutely no reason to tamper with him or even consider making a move in that top of the ninth. Just let him get the last out. Two outs, no one on in the top of the ninth. What does Aaron Boone do? He can't help himself is what he can't do. Goes out to the mound, and who does he bring in? Clay Holmes. After what had happened just two nights prior, bringing in Clay Holmes, this is probably even dumber than Monday night. Because right now, Ron Marinaccio had one more out to get. At least on Monday, you say, oh, you know, well, Herman was at the end of his rope, you know, closing in on 90 pitches. He was already at the end of the game, and he had just allowed a hit. So, figure let the bullpen get the last two outs. This made even less sense. Because you have Ron Marinaccio, who's finishing up just a second inning of work. And as we've seen many times before, we know that he's more than capable of pitching multiple innings. He has one more out to go with two outs and no one on in the top of the ninth. And what does Aaron Boone do? He messes it all up by taking him out for what reason? There is no good reason for it. There was no good reason in the moment. And there was no good reason for it later on in the postgame because it is a stupid decision. Takes Marinaccio out... When there's less than no reason to... Brings in Clay Holmes... What happens right after he does that? Double for Miles Straw... RBI single for Oscar Gonzalez... Yankees down 3-2... to two Before you could even blink... And then obviously... After that on the blue pit... Oscar Gonzalez's RBI single was that blue hit to center field. That was when what happened with IKF in left and Bader in center that I was talking about before when they both went sliding for it. Bader went in head first on the slide and IKF sort of slid on his side and just his leg went into Bader's head. Bader was taken out of the game. Obviously, Peraza had also stumbled on his way to second base. So now you're thinking Peraza and Bader are hurt on top of this completely demoralizing crap going on at the top of the ninth. After Aaron Boone's nonsensical decision making, and the Yankees are down three to two, with potentially a couple more injuries. <laughs> then he threw a wild pitch after that. So fortunately, he got out of it, but the damage was done. The Yankees were down. Like I said, though, Yankee offense was resilient. Tip your caps to them. Great job by them. Completely bailing out their manager. Sometimes you got to do that. Anthony Rizzo got on. Peraza. Pinch ran for him, then that was when he got hurt, running to second base. Then Willie Calhoun, yet again, RBI single, tied the game at three, super clutch, awesome to see right after that took place, with Peraza at second base, and everybody's just really, after what happened with Bader, and then seeing that happen with Peraza, and being down, I mean, (laughs) Yankee fans were down bad, everyone was down bad after seeing that, so Willie Calhoun picking it up and tying the game. Unfortunately, after that, Oswaldo Cabrera ended the inning on a double play after that, and... We need not even mention, I mean, we should because it has to be mentioned. Everybody out there who's been listening to me for even a half a second knows how much I love Oswaldo Cabrera, but you'd be lying straight through your teeth or just not being honest or fair if you were to either stay quiet about it or deny it. But Oswaldo Cabrera to start 2023. He's been very helpful in the field playing wherever you ask him to and doing a fine job at it for the most part. But with the bat, Waldo's been brutal, guys. He's been awful. Absolutely awful. Had a better t- day today at the plate against Tampa. He had that hit, and then the ground rule double. Like He hes he had a good day today, but before today, guys... Still no justification for playing someone like Aaron Hicks over him. Don't get me wrong. There is no one that, that should be set for Aaron Hicks. Point is, you have to admit that Waldo is brutal. If he was doing great for all this time... I think it definitely would have helped the Yankees a lot more up to this point. I really think it would have a lot of situations where they could have leaned back on him and he could have helped things out, maybe come through in some big moments where they otherwise didn't in some bad losses prior. But I mean, he has been awful offensively on the whole to start the year. Awful. He's got to figure it out soon. I hope he does. And I hope today was the start of that. Cause again, he did have a good day at the plate today. Anyways, They ended up going into extra innings after that. Fortunately, they kept the Guardians off the board in the top of the 10th. And in the bottom of the 10th, Jose Trevino walked it off on an RBI single. Yankees win 4-3. And on the night, Albert Abreu, who pitched the top of the 10th, got the win. Now, again, a great way to win. They took the series. They very well could have lost it, though. And that's not good. And two of the losses would have been both on Aaron Boone for nonsensical decision-making. He's got to be smarter about the situations he chooses to use Clay Holmes. And we just got done talking about it last week, guys. How I think using Clay Holmes in a lesser situation, in low leverage, or maybe just not a closer role, period, for the time being, I don't think that it would hurt. And you saw the last couple of days where he wasn't necessarily used in the closer role. And he's looked better the last couple of days. Maybe just not as a closer, or again, maybe in some low-leverage situations until he can get some confidence back. You see that being done with certain relievers, as I mentioned last week, and sometimes it helps them. Continuing to force the issue in scenarios where it's clearly not working is just irresponsible. It is. And that's what Boone was doing this past week with the Guardians. Fortunately, they were able to still take the series because the offense bailed him out. And again, sometimes it happens. There's a mix of that throughout a baseball season. Sometimes you just get regular wins. Sometimes you get regular losses like you were just outmatched. Sometimes you were better than the opponent in the case of winning. And then sometimes you snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. And sometimes you snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. (laughs) It happens. But we know which one we've seen more of with this Yankee team, especially of late. Fortunately, this was the good side of it on Wednesday, which resulted in them taking the series. But that didn't happen this weekend against a better team in Tampa. So they were off on Thursday. We go to Friday. Again, another very winnable game. In this game, starting for the Yankees, was Johnny Brito. Again, not a great start for him, unfortunately. Four innings, six hits, four runs, one walk, and two strikeouts. And the scoring started pretty early off him. Randy Rosarena went deep off him in the bottom of the first. Jose Siri flew into a sacrifice double play, and that drove home another run, being Isak Paredes specifically made it 2 nothing. Bottom of the third, Yandy Diaz hit a home run off him, made it 3 nothing. And then, obviously, on an RBI ground out, Howard Ramirez drove in the fourth run in the bottom of the third. So, Brito still allowing four runs, two of them on home runs, and just not a really good start for him again. So, I mean, not quite as brutal as the twin start, for instance, but still not really what you would like to see out of him. So, not a great start by him, but as dead as the Yankee offense looked all the way up until the sixth inning, they did manage to come back. And it was from none other than Lord Bader. A little bit from Clay Torres, too. He got the scoring going with an RBI double. I don't want to take it away from him. But Harrison Bader was the one to officially do it. A three-run tank job to left field in which he immediately pointed to the dugout. I love that. It's so badass. And that tied the game at four after Glaber's RBI double and a huge home run. Great to see from Harrison. He had himself an exciting series, particularly in the field against the Guardians. All All you could thank God for is that he didn't get hurt with that disastrous play in center field with IKF happening. And now... Immediately, right after the off day on Thursday, everybody's wondering, is he okay? Is he okay? Back in the lineup and doing the great work that he's doing. Playing a good center field, killing it with the bat. And now the game's tied at four. And then, (laughs) in the bottom of the seventh, the very reason why the Yankees really did not have to lose this game. So bottom of the seventh, Siri opened up the inning with a walk. Yandy Diaz hit into a force out. And then Wanda Franco ended up getting a double after that with Yandy Diaz at first. But didn't really have to be a double. I would definitely consider it an error. But, you know, you got some home-cooking scoring, which is not surprising. It happens a lot throughout baseball. The official scores nowadays are often laughably wrong. But that's besides the point. Wouldn't even have to worry about that if Jake Bowers could catch a ball. And it's baffling because you remember... Bauer's making that catch in left field against the Rangers. And you see him hitting the home run against the Guardians and doing these good things. But then you see reasons why he had trouble in years past. Because this was a harder hit ball by Franco, yes. But it's a ball that absolutely has to be caught in left field. He drops the ball. And then not only does he drop the ball, he bobbles it with his hand and then kicks it away from himself. Looked like Bro was playing soccer in left field. This allowed Diaz to come all the way around to score. It was a really good relay back in by Bowers and then a throw back in by Volpe, but Trevino also missed the tag at home. So Diaz scores in infuriating fashion because of the mistakes out in left and Trevino missing the tag at home. Rays take a 5-4 lead. Offense proceeds to do little to nothing for the rest of the game. Actually, in the top of the eighth, they did actually give themselves a chance to at least tie the game again. But, of course, the offense does not come through. Traffic on the bases, they do not get it done. Like I said, that's what I'm talking about. Week in and week out, especially this week. Talking about new ways to lose. Whether it be decision-making whether it be not coming through with traffic on the bases, whether it be on defense, whether it be a mix of a little bit of everything or a couple of those things. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Take your pick. DJ got a hit. Higgy got a double. Second and third. One out. Bader popped up. I'm willing to give him a little bit of slack because of the monster hit he had earlier. He can't do it alone. But then Bader pops out. IKF had a good at bat, but then ultimately embarrassingly strikes out on a breaking ball in the dirt. So nothing happens, and then in the top of the ninth, Trevino ground out, Oswaldo Cabrera strike out, Volpe got a single, and then Rizzo lined out to center field. So the Yankees again just a loss in which they shoot themselves in the foot yet again. It's them defeating themselves, being their own worst enemy, ultimately giving up the go-ahead run on a laughable error out in left field. Not just dropping a ball, but then adding insult to injury after that, and then missing the tag at home plate. You name it. Again, it's just the Yankees beating themselves. Saturday. Now, the day started out, interestingly, because I put out a tweet whining, more or less, about Bader not being in the lineup. I mentioned this earlier, so I don't want i don't want to sound too much like a broken record, but this tweet, not only did it get like seven, 800 likes, as I guess a lot of people agreed with me, it was met by a couple of people, inevitably, because, you know, you're, you're bound to get your people that do this. It was met by some people saying, oh, you know, it's the turf, it's them saying that they were going to sit him for at least one of the three in Tampa. Then one person, like I said before, mentioned, oh, he, he's he been doing horribly against right handers this season, even though the season consisted of 11 at-bats coming into this game. So there's really no definitive statistical argument against What I'm saying, because you can't really live and die by stats when it's that small of a freaking sample size. It's 11 at-bats. Get a grip. And even using any sort of argument when it comes to Bader's regular season numbers with the Yankees, it's a total of, coming into this game, just over 50 at-bats. Because you got to remember, he didn't have that many at-bats after coming off the injured list last year. And coming into this game, he had 11 at-bats in 2023, and those stats also don't factor in what he did in the playoffs, so those stats are just, it's too small of a sample size, you can't live and die by those, and you can only go by what you've seen of Bader so far, and even attribute it to the playoffs when it comes to how he's been in big moments, and you're seeing that he's backing that up even more so now, after coming off the injured list this year, he's just a big moments kind of guy, that's who Bader has proven to be as a Yankee so far, and he's proven that as much. There's just no defending sitting him when it comes to especially how the roster is right now with the amount of vital pieces they're missing. There's no backing it up. And I even went on to mention that the Yankees will probably be even more nonsensical when it comes to defending days off because they'll probably bring him in later on to pinch hit anyway, and he'll have played anyway. And that's exactly what happened. I've been watching this team long enough and how they've been doing these things for the last bunch of years now. I know how they operate. And again, if you don't want to believe that I had that kind of foresight, or that I do in general have that kind of foresight with the Yankees, check my Twitter. I quote tweeted the tweet where I said that earlier on in the day. I know how the team works. Obviously not always am I right, no one ever is, but a vast majority of the time I feel I am. Especially when it comes to predicting certain ways of how they're going to behave or do things. It's... When you watch them for a number of years and you just know that's how they operate, it's pretty easy to predict a lot of the time. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. So, the Yankees fell early down 2-0 because in the bottom of the first, Manuel Margot hit a two-run double off of the man who started the game, who would be Domingo Herman, And Herman did not pitch a bad game. As a matter of fact, even with this, it could be argued... That yes, although the ball was hit hard, DJ very well could have made this play down at third on this hard hit double, and Herman possibly wouldn't have allowed any runs. But it is what it is, especially on that turf the way it is. The ball got by DJ, and it resulted in two runs. And the offense was dead silent, again, until the very end of the game. Nothing happened. It was 2-0 from when that happened all the way to the eighth inning, and Herman's final line, again... Five innings, four hits, two runs, again, on the ball that got by DJ. Could have even been made to the point where he wouldn't have allowed any runs. Two walks and five strikeouts, so not a bad start by Herman again. And, you know, the last handful of starts, he has not been bad. I have to give it to Herman. You know, whether or not you like a guy, you got to be fair about it. And being fair and objective, he has been good. He has been. Top of the eighth came around, though. RBI doubled by DJ, and then... After having already gotten his first hit of the night in his pinch-hitting appearance in the 6th inning, Bader comes up in a big situation after that in the 8th inning, gets a single, and drives home Glaber and DJ to give the Yankees the late lead, 3-2, to and that is what they would win the game by. So Bader again coming through, And again, just really backing me up on everything that I was arguing against those people when they were trying to give me reasons as to why Bader was sitting and trying to rationalize it and tell me the Yankees had a point in doing it. Oh, well, and I did predict that he would pinch it later on, and he did, and he came through, and he did. Gotta give me my W there. Listen, it's okay to be wrong, guys. How many times do I admit I'm wrong? Whenever I am wrong, I admit it. I do. I have no problem with it, but I get an awful lot of Ws, and I'd appreciate it if you give me them when deserved. I'd appreciate it. So, they took the 3-2 lead. And then, like I said before, with Clay Holmes actually not being used in a closer capacity. Like here, they tried him out in the 8th, and he did well. Scoreless inning. He did allow a hit, but he did not allow anything. Got a big double plan. I'm hoping that that double play, after that hit to start the inning, really might have helped whip him back into shape confidence-wise. Sometimes you just need something that big against a good team like Tampa to really get you right again, having you feeling good out there. So, he pitched a successful eighth, and then Ian Hamilton. They had to call on somebody to close the game. They called on Ian Hamilton. He did allow a hit, but he ended up getting the save, striking out one, his first major league save. So congratulations to Ian Hamilton. Could the Yankees have found another potential closing option when needed? They very well could have, because Ian Hamilton not only did he look good in that ninth inning, but he has looked good for the Yankees out of the pen throughout the entire young season so far. ERA in the low ones, mid to low ones. That's He's really solid. I really like Ian Hamilton out of the bullpen. And another bullpen piece that they happen to stumble upon that's doing a very nice job for them. The bullpen is always usually an area of strength more so than not for the Yankees, and that's definitely a big thing, especially in the midst of other guys like Luizaga, Gervino being down for a long time. Gervino, for the rest of the year, Efros being out, and now even Canely, who I believe is supposed to be starting throwing again soon, but even he has been delayed still. So, got a lot of losses out there in that bullpen, but the bullpen's still getting by by guys like Ian Hamilton stepping up the way that he has, along with a lot of the rest of the other regulars. So keep on. my advice is keep on using Clay Holmes in this capacity if this is the role that he continues to show success, in, there's no need to force an issue of putting him into a role where he may very well be uncomfortable with given the results he's had in it. So that's my advice. Like I said last week, use him in lower leverage spots or just different spots. Just try something else. Stop forcing an issue of something that's clearly not working. <laughs> and it's happened the last couple of days including today, and he's looked good. What do you know? Changing things and deviating from the plan can be good sometimes. Crazy concept. Unfortunately, we round off today. I mainly gave all the pointers in this game. Like I said, Yankees, (laughs) short version of it, had a 6-0 lead, top of the third. Rizzo hit a solo shot to right field, an absolute bullet, made it 1-0, then... Lord Bader, Harrison Bader, another home run, two-run shot to left, made it 3 nothing. top of the fourth, against all odds, because you feel like this never happens, because it never does. So you may be right about that. Aaron Hicks, RBI double, with Trevino on first, made it all the way around to score, made it 4-0. When even Aaron Hicks is getting involved, you're feeling good about things. Gleyber Torres, RBI double, right after that, made it 5-0, and then in the top of the fifth, Oswaldo Cabrera added on another run on a sack fly to make it 6-0. And again, I've said, Waldo needs to figure it out offensively. He's been brutal. But today, again, 2-for-3, had a better day. So hopefully, today could be the start of a turnaround for him. That would be very big for him. Bottom of the fifth, Garrett Cole had been pitching a very good game up until now. But even now, he... He kept it under control, gave up a home run to Jose Siri. That was the first home run that Garrett Cole has given up in 2023 after all of his prior home run issues with the Yankees so far. It took until May 7th for him to give up even one this year. So good on him for going that long without giving up a home run. We know how stellar he has been. Unfortunately for today, they wouldn't last, but at least in the fifth inning, he kept it somewhat under control. After that... He allowed more guys to reach base, following up to Wander Franco getting a single into the right field hole. Glaber stopping it before it makes it to the outfield. He throws to third because there was no play at first, trying to get Diaz down at third base trying to advance to third on the ball going into the hole. And Glaber bounced the throw, and Oswaldo could not handle it because Cabrera, Oswaldo Cabrera, is playing at third base today. And the ball got by him, and that allowed Diaz to score. So that made it 6-2, to two, and you were saying in your mind, well, at least I was, please do not let them get back into this game. Please don't. Fortunately, Garrett would get a couple of strikeouts after that and keep it just at 6-2. to two, But the next inning in the bottom of the sixth, in an inning where he clearly did not have it, after giving up two consecutive doubles to start the inning. The second one being to Isak Paredes, driving home Harold Ramirez, who got the first double, obviously. Made it 6-3, to three, and it was pretty obvious at this point that Cole was losing it. I probably would have taken him out here, but, listen, I also can't... As hard as I am on Aaron Boone about a lot of things, and he, he definitely should have pulled Cole in hindsight. He definitely should have. And in the moment, I admittedly was saying, get Cole out of there. So I guess... I guess I could say if I were managing, I would have done the right thing. But... I also can't 100% fault Aaron Boone for wanting to stick with Garrett, especially given the fact he is the ace. Look what he's done this year up until now. Give him a chance to figure it out a little bit. It didn't work out. I And again, I would have taken him out, so I guess I could fault Boone for that a little bit, but again, not everybody's going to have the right answer. It's not as egregious as doing something that was so obviously the wrong thing as his calls in the Guardians series. I will argue that, and I'll die on that hill. This was not nearly a mistake as bad as those two against the Guardians, because right now, at least you could fall back on the fact that you know Garrett's done what he has this year. He's earned trying to stay in that game and figure it out, no matter how bad it looked. Maybe kept him a little too long. He definitely did. But I can't fault a guy for trusting him a little bit because he's earned that. He has. But it just didn't work out. After that, Christian Bethencourt, on the first pitch, in crushing fashion, hits a game-tying three-run homer to dead center. The game is tied at six. Like I said, you're up six-nothing with your ace on the mound. This is a game that you can't lose. You just can't lose. And Garrett Cole was due for a collapse eventually, I suppose, so I, I can't be too mad at him. He's definitely, you know, he may not be the ultimate reason they lost factually because they, they didn't lose until the 10th inning, but you're up 6 to nothing with him on the mound. He's got to hold it. He's got to hold it. That's just the way it's got to be. So you could say a big reason, even though it wasn't the ultimate final dagger at the end, a big reason, <laughs> the vast majority of the reason this game was lost was because Cole coughed up a 6-0 lead. You could love Cole as much as I do and acknowledge and praise everything he's done up until now because he does deserve that. But he was due to fall apart eventually, number one, because he is still a human being, believe it or not, as simple as that is for some people to forget. And two, I mean, he'll be the first to tell you, you're the ace, team gives you a 6 nothing lead, you gotta hold it. You gotta hold it. So, just horrible. Absolutely horrible. And then later on, when they bring in Cordero, Jimmy Cordero, on a ground out back to him, he wasn't paying attention to Jose Siri running on the pitch down to third, got a ground ball back to him, didn't even pay attention to him, just threw to first, and they tried to get Siri at home after getting the out at first, and Siri just powered his way home, ran into the umpire in the process. (laughs) And... Gave the Rays a 7-6 lead. So they came back down 6-0 against Garrett Cole, who has been untouchable this year. It's unbelievable. Top of the seventh, though, the Yankees did inch closer again to tie the game on an RBI ground up by Jose Trevino. At this point, Aaron Hicks came up with a runner in scoring position twice at the end of the game, at this point and in the top of the ninth, in very big moments. And despite his RBI double earlier, which feels like his first hit in an eternity— it would surprise absolutely no one that he came through in neither situation. So the game remained at seven, and they took it to the 10th. Top of the 10th comes around for the Yankees. Obviously, you have the Ghost Runner on second base to start the inning. Big plus. Try to at least put a run up on the board before the Rays get an opportunity at the very same thing in the bottom half of the inning. Volpe, young stud, continues to learn more and more every day, does good things out there, does the job by hitting a long fly ball out to right, which is caught, but moves Aaron Hicks, the ghost runner, over to third since he made the last out in the top of the ninth. Shocker. And then Glaber comes up, and the ground ball he hits results in there being a rundown between third and home with Aaron Hicks being the man in there. He tries to dodge the tag eventually, that the pitcher tries to lay on him. Apparently, he laid the tag on. The umpire did not call the tag an out immediately. At which point, you would think that until you hear that there's an official out made, even if the tag is applied, yeah. If you don't, but if you don't hear the umpire say out, then you got to keep the play going. And Hicks is pretty close to home plate at this point. Hicks stops after this, after he tumbles to the ground in an attempt to dodge the tag. He stops, but then picks back up suddenly after about a second or two pause, full-on pause, and then tries to dart home and is tagged down anyway. They later revealed that the tag originally was made on him already. But the parts that I have a tough time getting past is, one, why are you running home when there is a shallow ground ball to the left side of the infield? And two, why do you stop as long as there is no call for an out? You keep the play going till you hear out. Even if it was overturned afterwards through reviews saying, yeah, the original tag was applied, you gotta keep going. Go! So two nonsensical things right there, really drawing a big picture as to how Aaron Hicks's days are in the Yankees nowadays. Just, even when he takes a step forward, there's gotta be multiple steps taken back almost immediately after. It's inevitable. That's just Aaron Hicks and his time with the Yankees, guys. And then in the bottom of the 10th, especially with Abreu on the mound, and Albert's had his good outings here and there, yeah. But he continues to be a guy that's put out there in really close, extremely high-leverage situations at times, and a lot of the time, he just doesn't come through. He doesn't, I'm sorry. And he didn't yet again here. In fairness, he faced a couple of really tough hitters. But it just... uh, didn't work out well for him. Harold Ramirez started out the inning, flew out to shallow center field. Bader came in to make the catch, but then he had to face another tough hitter right afterwards in Isak Paredes, who drove home the game-winning run on a line-drive single to right field, driving home Brandon Lau. The Yankees blowing what should have been an easy victory, up 6 to nothing with their ace on the mound, losing the series in what I have officially called, comfortably called, the worst loss of the season. So if all that explaining isn't enough evidence to back up everything I've said in this episode so far about how the Yankees just continually shoot themselves in the foot and continually find new ways to beat themselves, I don't know what does. Really a shame, because they really could have swept the Guardians. I mean, even so, you could say that they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory on Monday, in that horrible loss, thanks to Boone's nonsensical decision-making with Clay Holmes. And then you could say that they did the opposite on Wednesday, snatching victory from the jaws of defeat. So by that logic, you could say that winning two out of three was fair. But the Rays series is the one that's really tough to get past, because they could have not only truly at least won the series, but even swept it. They really, really could have. And today's game is even a better example than Friday's because Friday's, yes, the error, that egregious error in left field that was just an absolute clown show out there, a soccer performance in left field did not have to happen, and that run didn't have to score. But there's no guarantee at the same time that the offense takes the lead in a tie game at four and goes on to win the game. The Rays could still score later, for all we know, and they could still lose that game. Fine, it happens. Today's game is the bad one. Up six to nothing. Six nothing with quite possibly the best pitcher in baseball thus far in 2023 on the mound. You can't lose today's game. And they do. Cole obviously didn't have it. Boone did not take him out, chose to go with him, which again, I didn't agree with in the moment, but can't totally fault for that. Not totally. I could partially, but not totally. It's nowhere near as egregious as the Holmes decision-making earlier in the week. Because you have something to fall back on with Cole. He's the ace. He's done amazingly so far. You have something to fall back on. But Cole crapped the bed today. It's bound to happen eventually. It just stinks that it happened in a game that the Yankees really cannot lose. shouldn't and cannot lose, but they managed to anyway. Again, finding new ways to lose games they really shouldn't. It's just shooting themselves in the foot. Again, you want to look back on that and think, hey, this is a good sign because if they're playing better baseball with more guys back later on, then it proves that the Yankees could really stand toe-to-toe with a team like the Rays, who have proven to be one of the better teams in baseball. That's a good thing to, to really look at and believe in. Yeah, uh, so a part of me acknowledges that, yes. Because that is true, the Yankees did not at all have to lose these games, and the Rays did not prove to be overwhelmingly better than them. They did not, factually. But you cannot ignore the fact that there are only so many excuses that you could continue to use as awful games continue to be lost, mostly because of the team's own ineptitude, regardless of which factor it happened to fail on that day. And also, you can't ignore the fact that the methods in which they are losing, all the new ways they find to beat themselves, regardless of the kind of shape the roster is in, because of injuries or what have you, roster construction decisions being made or not made, it's just what bad teams tend to do. They find ways to lose. And that's what the Yankees have been doing, no matter what way you want to spin it. I'm sorry, that's just the honest truth. Who knows if they'll turn it around when certain guys come back. Again, I raise the concern, the fact of the matter, that some guys are far off. A lot of people out there will tell you there's a lot of help on the way. Not for a while. Let me keep that in check. Judges coming back Tuesday, that is enormous, yes. But what's the deal beyond that? Severino, two, three weeks away, as I said. And even when he does return, he's going to have to continue to build his pitch count and will likely not be able to give any sort of legitimate length out of his starts. That means more bullpen usage, at least for a little while. Plus, there's the added risk of him getting hurt again at some point because of his track record. And beyond that, Stanton, maybe a little while after that, a couple of weeks later still, And who's after that? Maybe Canely make some progress for the bullpen. Okay. Rodon is completely up in the air. Can't rely on that. Beyond that, there's not too much. Donaldson may not be far off, but I don't consider Donaldson to be big help at all. Maybe a little bit with the glove, but with the bat, and with his other injury risk that I also cited last year, even though injuries weren't a problem for him last year, but I did... I did really specify that in the past he's had injury troubles and he's only getting older, and now in the earlier part of this season that has reared its ugly head, as I feared. I really don't want to continue to sound like a broken record, but I've only continued to be more and more right about that trade last year. Just saying. So when people say a ton of help is on the way, yeah, Judge is a ton in what he represents. But otherwise... It's not great. It's not great. So we'll see if the offense can snap out of it and continue to go in a better direction when when Judge comes back. But other than that, especially in the next two to three weeks, Judge is all that's coming back. Maybe Donaldson. But again, it's not too much, guys. There is some cause for concern. Season's not over, especially in the wildcard picture, especially not. But you never want to see the division look the way it is right now, even if it is just May. And there is some cause for concern. Some reasonable cause for concern. This is not a fun team to watch, and they've dealt us a lot of gut-wrenching losses early on already. And it's only May. There's a lot of baseball left to play. So there's still the potential for a lot more gut-wrenching losses out there. (laughs) How many more demoralizations... Can this team and we fans take? I guess that's the one question that it comes down to at this point. Anyways, let's fly through the social media segment to end because, my God, we are on track for this being the longest Yapping Yankees episode now, closing in on two freaking hours. Fortunately, we got a Q&A today, so I'll blow through a few. I'll read some out, answer them. See what's on the mind of some Yankee fans out there. Let's get started. Q&A, you ask, I answer. First up, let's go with at AlexGNYC1 asking, so do we stop going to Holmes after this week? No, no shot. They don't stop going to him. I think they could, like I recommended last week, and they seem to have adopted a bit this week, which I'm happy about, especially in the Tampa series, not so much in the Guardian series, but they seem to be trying them out in different roles, different innings. Maybe they try that as they have this weekend at least for the time being, but uh, I would hope they stop using him in a closer role in high-leverage situations like that. That's for sure, but I don't think they stop going to him altogether. No, definitely not. At Burrow Dweller 73 says, Discuss. The only time Aaron Hicks should be in a lineup is when he's been arrested for impersonating a Major League player and fans have been brought in to identify him. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are funny sometimes. But agreed. At Moosh0611 says, You think Rodon will pitch before the All-Star break? Will he be a difference maker or be injured again? That's a good freaking question. Unfortunately, until he gets his cortisone shot and we see how long it takes for him to start throwing and and see what happens when he does start throwing because it's not so much been about when he starts throwing. It's more so been about when he does and then the setbacks take place. (laughs) That's really been what it's been about with him when his progress has to inevitably stall, because his back starts, as Boone puts it, barking again. I didn't know human beings' backs have now adopted the behavior of a dog. I was today years old when I learned that. But, it's just a part of Boone's vernacular being very interesting. Anyways, it's hard to say, because we don't know what's going to come with the cortisone shot, and we don't know what's going to come when he starts throwing again. We don't know. Because every time he's tried to get on the path... To rehabbing again, he's always stopped because there are just more issues, and now the back problem has been diagnosed as chronic, which is not good. It could end up mean, meaning nothing and not really giving him much trouble at all going forward, or it could be nagging him for the rest of his career, and the Yankees get a half-assed version of Rodon for everything they've invested in him, and therefore, the Yankees will have gotten completely and utterly fleeced. So, I personally... It's hard to say because the, the cortisone shot coming and see how it makes him feel. And when he starts throwing again, he could have another setback. I will say right now that I think it's very possible that he doesn't pitch until after the All-Star break. And even then's a question mark. Who knows? It's complicated when everything's up in the air and you have a chronic problem here. That can be treated but not cured. It's complicated. I definitely think it's very possible that he has another setback, though. It's very possible. At Yankee, Ken says, Accounting for everything that's happened so far to this team, would you say that the Yankees have overachieved to this point? I think it could be worse, but I certainly think that for days like today, it could definitely be better. The Yankees have lost a lot of games early on here that they should not have lost. So for that reason, I'll say they have not overachieved. I think it could be worse. I think they could definitely be an under 500 team right now. But... It could be worse. And hopefully, if they stop playing such dumb baseball eventually, and they get some guys back, maybe, and with the schedule easing up a bit, maybe that could be when they take off a little bit more. Like some people have said, I'm not totally against that. But, I can't say overachieved overachieve necessarily, even though it could be worse, because on days like today, again, plenty of games that they really should have won, and they didn't. They just didn't, and most of the time, it's because of themselves. They're their own Worst enemy. At Laura underscore Icemont says, Who will judge replace when he comes back from the injured list? Well, in a perfect world, it would be Hicks, because Hicks does not have a place on this team anymore. He has not for some time, yet the Yankees continue to be the only organization on the face of the earth, I'm convinced, who would still be batting a single eye at Aaron Hicks at this juncture. So, in a perfect world, Hicks would go. But that's not what's going to happen, of course. Uh, they'll probably probably option Peraza or something like that. Or maybe even make a decision on Willie Calhoun, perhaps, which I don't think that would be very smart because he has actually been swinging a better bat of late. So you might want to keep that around for the time being and continue playing the hot hand, even though I know that's something that the Yankees don't usually believe in doing, since they're so rigid and structured. But they'll probably do something stupid like send Peraza back down or something like that, which, you know, if you're not going to put him on the injured list... You might as well do that if it's going to get him consistent gameplay instead of letting him waste away up here and just continually mistreating him. So, I don't know. It's just the nonsensical roster decisions are just absolutely crazy. In a perfect world, it would be Hicks, though. We'll see what they do. Find out in a couple of days. Rebecca at Peace Now for Life says, Hi, Mike. If you could choose one Yankee from history to add to this current team, who would it be and why? Good question. It has to be Lou Gehrig. Anytime I'm asked this, it's got to be Lou. Lou's my guy, because not only was he an iconic hitter who would have had some of the all-time stats had he played a full career and not gotten ill at the end with his disease, Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, but it's got to be him. He was out there every day, obviously had his iconic consecutive game streak before Cal Ripken Jr. iconically broke it, but because of that and just... He was, a, I mean, Lou Gehrig's an all-time player. He really is. All-time legend. That's my guy. I have the utmost respect for him. Now, if you want to talk about whether or not guys from the 20s and 30s could handle this game, well, that's another discussion for another time. But if you were to have someone adjusted from their era, able to play nowadays in the lineup to help things, it's got, it's got to be Lou. Problem is, you'd have to drop Rizzo or figure out another way to play him because it would be at first base. If you want to talk about outfield help, well, there are plenty of names to choose from. If you want to talk about the outfield. There's obviously a bunch of center fielders to choose from, like Joe D, Mickey Mantle, the list goes on. But for certain left fielders, maybe put Roy White. So many names to choose from. If I go down all sorts of different Yankee names I would put on this team. My God. <laughs> I guess if you were to address left field, I'll put like Roy White or maybe even Matsui out there, even though he was more known for the bat, obviously. But... Specifically with the outfield, whether you're talking about left field or just any outfield position in general, you know, obviously the amount of guys out there are limitless, even Babe Ruth even, but like, it's, it's just endless. To address particular problems, you'd have to address certain names, like some of the ones I just threw out there just now off the top of my head, but just in general, putting any sort of guy in there, it would have to be Lou. Lou is always my number one, period. Next, let's go with Spencer at Musician DMD. Spencer asks, I have an unpopular opinion. I think Brian Cashman is a good general manager, and I think Hal is a good owner. That's not to be misconstrued that I think they're flawless. What is an unpopular position on the Yankees that you might have? Good question. Another good question. Um, I don't think Brian Cashman has done a good job as the general manager in the last couple of years. I I really don't. After last year, I was on the fire Cashman train because I think that's truly the only thing that will bring about change with the Yankees. Personally, I don't think just firing Boone will do that. I think that would just be making him the scapegoat. I do think that for certain in-game decisions, he definitely needs to be held accountable. But I don't think firing him solves the problem. Um, I think you have to look at the guy who has around $300 million to work with and a lot of the time does not properly allocate money and does not construct an effective roster that makes much of any sense. So... That's more of that. I don't think Cashman's done a good job in the last couple of years, especially last year's deadlines proving to be an, a disaster in hindsight. Some things out of his control. A lot of things definitely not. Does he answer for any of it? Not really. So um, that's not really an unpopular opinion. I think a lot of people can't stand Cashman nowadays. Um, I would say if I had an unpopular opinion, it would be... It's a good question. You know what? I'll say what I said to my dad earlier today at my brother's birthday lunch. I'll say that I think the Yankees are approaching, and this is not to say that history doesn't mean anything, guys, but I would say that the longer the Yankees continue this path of not winning any World Series, that some of that Yankee aura of the past is beginning to fade. Some people have already argued that it's already gone. So if you think I'm outrageous for saying that, there are people who would take it even more extreme than that. But I think a lot of the Yankee aura from the past has begun to fade the longer that they continue to come up short and gain a reputation as playoff choke artists and continue to just get embarrassed ultimately at the end of the day and go through times like this where just injuries happen left and right, even though, yes, it's something that's prevalent throughout a lot of the game at large, but at this rate, affecting the team the way it does, and the excuses that continue to be fired off about all of it, I guess that's an unpopular opinion of mine. I think a lot of people would have a problem with that, but I think the longer that this sort of thing continues to go on, just continually coming up short and in the fashion that they have been, especially like in the way last year ended, it's not good. It's not good at all for the Yankee aura that everybody used to see the big bad Yankees. Now a lot of people just continually laugh at them with the way things end now ultimately. It's, it's never in my life when I started watching baseball, third year of watching baseball is when they won in 09, never in my life did I ever think the Yankees would gain a reputation of being playoff choke artists or just coming up short year after year after year after year after year. And yeah, you could say that I'm being a little ridiculous because in the regular season they've had winning seasons for like three decades now, three-plus decades, sure. But you like that to result in a championship at some point. <laughs> you know, because it's been about a decade and a half now. So it's it's starting to get a little distant now, guys. A little distant. It's hard to deny. At Matthew 54027550 says... Will every team in the AL East finish above 500 this year? Well, there's a lot of ways to go, so it's tough to say that. But I mean, with the way everybody's playing, it could be possible. I think it's possible that at least four of them, of the five, finish over 500. The division's that good this year. So, yeah, I think it's possible that most of them do, if not all of them. But all of them, yeah, I guess it's possible. I won't go as far to say that, yeah, they definitely all will. Because one can definitely just completely fall apart, and I don't think the Rays will be one of them. I think the Rays, at this point, are going to finish over 500, I think it's safe to say. But just about anyone else, I mean, it's kind of a coin flip, I guess. Because like I said, second, all the way down to last place with the Yankees, there's not too much ground separating them, especially in the middle there. So, but I think it's very possible at least four of them do, I will say that much. All right, let's do like three more. There are going to be a few I don't get to, and I'm really sorry about that, but we're going late here, so. <laughs> At Allen 73 asks, how on earth do we blow a 6 nothing lead to lose 8-7? to seven? George is rolling in his grave. If he was still here, heads would be rolling for the bad decisions Boone has made in the last few games. Here we go. If George was here... <laughs> Listen, guys, I've said this many times before. No disrespect to George Steinbrenner. But number one, while he did do some great things for the Yankees, and I do very much respect how big of a fan he was and how passionate he was about the team, I really wish some passion were being showed like that within the organization now. That is definitely to be praised and missed. But let's stop pretending like George Steinbrenner did everything right, first of all. And second of all, again, with all due respect to the boss, he has been gone for almost a half a decade. It's time to stop with the if-George-were-here tweets. I'm sorry. I respected George, liked him, while also accepting the things that he did wrong by with the Yankees. I, I balanced it all. But all in all, like I said, I respected his passion and his willingness to do anything and everything to ensure the Yankees would win, always putting the best foot forward. But especially because of how long he's been gone. I think it's time to move on from it, guys. He passed away in 2010. It's 2023 now. Sure, 2010 feels like two minutes ago. I'll be the first one to say that. I still remember the Yankees winning the World Series a year before. But in actuality, quite a bit of time has passed. You could reminisce about it, but we got to stop pretending like, number one, George would have done everything the correct way because that was not his way back then. He did do plenty wrong. And two, it has been a while without him. So let's, again, move on from that. But I get where the frustration's stemming from. There have been bad decisions being made. And like I said, this past week was filled with a lot of the Yankees just shooting themselves in the foot, stabbing themselves in the back, and being their own worst enemy. i said it many times today. We've said it many times for a long time now. So I get where the frustration stems from. But yeah, today's loss was absolutely brutal. No doubt. Absolutely no doubt. There's no excuses for it. None. All right, let's finish up with the usual final two. First up is my girlfriend, Vic Salimo, and she says, What are your opinions on the recent decisions that Boone has made during games, and what would you have done differently or do the same? Do you think that he is partially to blame for some of our recent failures? He absolutely is, especially in the Guardian series. Guardian series, I would never have gone to clay in either of those situations. On Wednesday, I easily... It's not even a discussion. I would have easily let Marinaccio finish that ninth inning. It's not even up for discussion. Easily let him finish the ninth. And on Monday, with King having worn, warmed up for multiple innings, if I have to take Herman out, there were two outs left to go after how terrifically he had done. I probably would have left him in for at least one more batter. But, you know, the excuse they made is, all oh, there's always the risk of the giving, up, giving up a home run with him. But with how he pitched, I would have let him see another batter at least because of how he threw the entire day. But if you had to bring someone else in, I would have brought in King, who was seen warming up on and off constantly for multiple innings prior to that. I do not bring in Clay there. I mean, what the hell? <laughs> and again, Clay partially has himself to blame too, aside from his pitching, because he made that mistake on the mound, the fielding error, but still, that's on him. So, those I do vastly differently, completely on him. Utter failure of decisions there. Thankfully, on Wednesday, again, the offense bailed him out. And today with Cole, it's complicated. I personally, while I don't 100% blame him, I would have pulled Cole after the ground rule double. The RBI ground rule double by Paredes. I would have pulled him. But, I blame Cole for allowing six runs when up six to nothing. And I blame Abreu for giving up the game-winning hit. (laughs) That's really what it comes down to today. That's mainly the Cole thing. That's... Can't lose that game today. Can't. Again, I'm not one to blame Boone frequently. Some people blame him for every single loss, objectively, even with things that had nothing to do with him. But I do it seldom. I really, I seldom do it. But this past week was filled with plenty of blunders. Blunders that should not be made when you are in year one, two, three, four, five, six as a manager at this point. And I would have done a few things differently. And I do definitely think that at least the failure on Monday. Wednesday, it didn't come back to bite. But not pulling cold today was an L, even though I can't fully blame him again. But it was partially an L. But uh, especially on Monday, that was definitely completely on him. And on Wednesday, if not for the offense, that would have been another L completely on him. So I hope that answers your question, Vic. Last but certainly not least is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero. And she says... When do you think some sort of MLB official will finally declare Boone the worst manager of all time? (laughs) Is he completely stupid? That's all I have to say. You know what I mean by this question and statement. Obviously, there's some sarcasm. Yes, I know that, Mom. (laughs) No MLB official is going to come out and say, yeah, this guy's the worst Major League Baseball manager ever. That's not what Major League Baseball officials do. Some people commentate on baseball or analyze it. Yeah, maybe they have their opinions on him. (laughs) I understand what you're saying. Listen. Boone makes his bad decisions, plenty, no doubt. And this past week was bad. It was a bad week for him. It was really bad. Bad for the whole team overall, mostly. But, uh, yeah. He is... Uh, I definitely think there are worse out there than him, but I definitely think there are far better. And I really wish that... Because I still think he does what the organization says. I still wish that he was able to make his own decisions... Because I I truly don't think that he is. I think he has some input, maybe, but I think that he mostly marches to the organization's fife because he might be afraid of going out there and making a wrong decision and then having to worry about being fired over it. I've said it many a time. I don't think he's the one making all the decisions. I think it's coming from Cashman, the data department, and the front office at, at large. That's what I've thought about the Yankees for some time now. And at least from winning a World Series perspective, it has not worked. Has not worked. So, I know what you mean by that question. I don't think, I myself don't even think Boone is the worst manager period of all time. I think there are managers throughout baseball who have been worse, but I definitely don't think he's near the best. <laughs> definitely not. Um, I just wish things were, in this organization at large, were run differently. That's what I'll leave it at. But for any and all games that went down like this past week, like Monday, Wednesday, and even some people argue today with the Cole situation, even though I definitely look more to the Guardian series for that, yeah, and there have been plenty of instances like that, you have a right to be frustrated. You definitely do. And the fact of the lack of reasoning afterwards, like especially on Wednesday when people ask, like, bringing in Holmes there with... One out left to go in the top of the ninth against the Guardians. And the way they say it, you know, he's coming in the game. Zero hesitation. There's no straying from the plan. There's no sort of deviation regardless of the circumstances. And they have, like, no shame. Even when the decision is outrightly, objectively incorrect, it's very frustrating to listen to. It is. It's very frustrating. So I understand. Your frustration, everyone's frustration. I'm feeling it too. Trust me. I'm feeling it too. Not a fun week on the whole, but especially not a fun end to the Tampa Bay Series. Absolutely miserable today. Horrendous. Cannot lose a game like today. Can not. But they did anyway, because again, it goes back to the title of the episode. They beat themselves. And I think that's a good roundabout way to put an end to the longest Yapping Yankees episode ever. I've done that a few times this year because this team has given me a lot to say early on. What can I tell you? But that is all for episode 181 of Yapping Yankees Today, guys. Less than 20 episodes away from 200. That is crazy. Remember to follow me on all socials if you do not already, guys. Mike Scudero and Y is my Facebook fan page, Twitter is at Mike Scudero, and Instagram is MikeScuds97. Subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on. That's YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Show your love on all of them like you all do such a great job at doing all the time. And if you missed any Yapping Yankees episodes from the past... You can find Episodes 34 up to Episode 181 today on YouTube, and every single episode going all the way back to Episode 1 four years ago can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Once again, I thank you, 3000, as always, for listening to me yap today, my friends. I have been your host, Mike Scudero, and I'll actually talk to you in two Sundays. Not next Sunday the 14th, because next Sunday is Mother's Day. So another Sunday holiday I will be taking off for Yapping Yankees. So I'll actually be back at you in two Sundays on May the 21st. And I want to wish all the mothers out there a happy Mother's Day for next Sunday. I'll be spending an awesome day with my mom, of course, who is objectively, of course, no bias involved. As always, the best mother walking the earth. I love you to death, Mom. My biggest supporter out there, definitely listening right now. Even though the episode is over two freaking hours long, I know you've listened to the whole thing because that's how much you love me. And I love you to death for everything you've ever given me, the great life you've given me, given me every opportunity to have as good a life as possible, all the nurturing, all the love, as much as any single person out there possibly humanly could. And I love you to the ends of the earth for it. You know that. So I can't wait to spend... Mother's Day next Sunday with you, as always. I hope the rest of you mothers have a good Mother's Day out there. Hopefully the Yankees play a good game that day (laughs) for all the moms out there, but that's up for debate, obviously, especially considering the team they're playing next weekend being Tampa again. But hey, let's hope again. Let's just hope that they have a good series against Oakland coming up. There's really no excuse at all not to sweep them. (laughs) So, that'll be, obviously, tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Tomorrow and Tuesday's games being at 7.05, and then Wednesday's being at 12.35, and then the weekend series, the four games set against Tampa at Yankee Stadium. Again, I might go to the game on the 13th, Saturday, I haven't decided yet, but Thursday's game is at 7.05, Friday's 7.05, Saturday's 1.05, and Sunday's 1.35 for Mother's Day. So, we'll see what they do over the course of this next week. If they don't at least have a dominant series against the A's, well... You'll see me on social media. I probably won't be pleasant company. So (laughs) keep track of me until we talk again on here in the next two Sundays, guys. You have two weeks to listen to this long-ass episode, so (laughs) no excuses. But until then, guys, hang in there. Be patient. Again, those especially apply to the Yankees. (laughs) Stay safe. Look out for your loved ones. Go ahead and kick life's ass this week, regardless of what the Yankees do. Just kick life's ass. Just go for it. Give it the best shot you can, always. And again, let's just hope... (laughs) The Yankees have as good a week as possible. And for the following week as well, since we're not talking until the 21st. They have four games in Toronto against the Blue Jays after they're done with the Rays. And they have a three-game weekend, weekend three-game set against the Reds from Friday the 19th to Sunday the 21st. And I might as well wish my mom a happy early birthday too, because until we talk next, my mom's birthday is also on the 19th. So happy birthday to you too, mom, on top of Mother's Day. But nonetheless... We can only hope until the next time we speak. A lot of games ahead until then that we can be having a more positive episode with the Yankees having hopefully yielded some more positive results by then. We shall see. But until then, again, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Happy early birthday to my mom on top of Mother's Day. And I will talk to you all on the 21st. And to all my fellow Yankee fans, despite Judge coming back in a couple of days, (laughs) Godspeed. Take care and let's go Yanks.